Hello, Life Uplifters! I'm Astuti Marto Sudirjo. Welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast, the place where you can find inspirations and tips to uplift you and your life. Today, I'm bringing to you a topic, a topic that is so surreal yet fascinating at the same time. And this is about how the time when we were conceived in our mother's womb and being carried by our mothers in our mother's womb and our journey to leave our mother's womb into the world do impact, I repeat, impact the way we show up in our lives today as adults. I know what you're thinking. I was thinking that. I did not know that everything that we were experiencing and the meaning that we were giving when we were in our mother's womb could impact our lives today. I found out about it for the first time as I was figuring out what limiting beliefs that I had that led me to burnout and as I was going through my subconscious mind healing I landed into a couple of a couple of times actually into a memory of my time in my mother's womb where I formed certain beliefs that actually led me to burnout situation and then I did experience the same again when I transitioned from being a corporate employee into self-employed I had some mental blockages that stop me from enjoying the process or making the most of the process with ease and then bang there was I visiting the memory of my time in the wombs so I dig deeper after this and discover this wealth of information also scientific information as to how this can happen and how this all play out together to help us understand this I'm inviting Sharon King she's my teacher and Sharon is the creator of a subconscious mind healing modalities called Matrix Birth Reimprinting. It is a systematic process to help everyone to heal the trauma that they experienced when they were uh, in the womb of their mothers and also when they were coming out from the womb into the world, so their birth process. This healing modality also helps mothers who experience trauma when they were giving birth to their children. So this is basically for literally every one of us. So in this conversation, Sharon is going to explain to us how the experience we had that we don't think at all, in fact, uh, when we were in the womb and in the process of coming out from our mother's womb, impact how we behave, how we think, and how we experience the world today. Thank you, Sharon, for being here and for making the time to speak with us. Thank you very much, Astuti, for actually inviting me to be part of your recording today. I'm very excited to share the knowledge and information I have with you. Um, as you've already said, my name's Sharon King, and I'm the creator of a technique called Matrix Birth Reimprinting. 
the main technique is matrix reimprinting using EFT. And I've kind of gone off into my own little speciality area of working with all things to do with pregnancy and birth. So whether that is a mother who comes to me or a mother-to-be who wants to be a mother-to-be and can't get pregnant, or whether that's somebody who's already pregnant and it's their first child and they have a lot of fear around giving birth, or it could be a mother who's already given birth before and it's been quite traumatic and she wants to have a more natural birth experience. It could be, or people that I work with, I work with them on their own birth experiences as well, their time in utero, so what happens around their conception, what happens when they were in the womb, and what happens um, during them to their birth, during their birth, but also the hours and days after their birth are also really, all of that time is very critical to um, set up what I call our base foundation, the foundation of who we are. Can you explain to us why it is so important, this whole thing that you just shared, why is it so important for how we show up in our lives today? Well, from a scientific standpoint, what we understand is that um, while babies are in utero and at birth, there is a form of consciousness. And it's not that we consciously remember that time, But we, at that time, we are conscious. We're conscious beings. We understand what's going on in a way we understand through the perceptions of our mother. Right. Yeah. So while the baby's in the womb, and again, there's, you know, complete scientific proof about this. They've done a number of studies to show that the baby isn't just hanging out, having a great time, although it probably is too, if you're in a really good womb. But it's, it's a learning experience. So the development of the baby will very much depend on the mother's experiences and the viewpoints of the world. So if mum's feeling peaceful, she does a lot of meditation or yoga or is feeling pretty much in love with life and in love with her partner, then the physiology, the psychology of that baby is going to be very different to a baby, let's just say the mother's in an abusive relationship or has a highly stressful job or is a single mother or didn't even want to become a mother and was quite shocked to find out she was a mother. Right. So that all of that has an impact. It has, it has an outcome to it. How we're born has an outcome to it. So the way we physically develop, we emotionally develop, how we relate to the world is kind of set at that point. Right. So by going back to those points of trauma and healing those points of trauma, it helps us in the in the now, if you like, in the in the way we relate to the world. It changes the way we relate to the world. Okay. Why don't we know about this? Well, I think it's not something that doctors know about or teach. Yeah. You know, I know about it just because I've done a lot of study with a birth psych, you know, in birth psychology, and you know, there are there are certain doctors and scientists who absolutely know all, all about this people like Do- Joseph Chilton Pierce for instance you know he was my first mentor if you like mm-hmm. when he was talking about um, what happens during the bonding process yeah mm-hmm. you know the importance of bonding the importance of secure attachment and what happens if we don't have that yes yeah. so Dr Bruce Lipton Dr Jodie Spencer's um, talking about it now there's a lot of amazing people out there who are talking about this but it's not mainstream 
if you like. You go to your doctor, your doctor's got 10 minutes to see you. He doesn't care how your birth experience was. He just wants to administer some tablets just to, you know, get rid of the symptoms that you're experiencing. Yeah. But they have no clue that it could potentially go back to those very early years in your life. Yeah. I'd like to mention here that I didn't know until one time when I was working on my self-esteem topic. That was the, the time when I decided to be self-employed. I realized that I had difficulty pricing my product okay. because, of the, because of something. And then, uh, then I, I discovered the relations between putting a good price on the service that I delivered with my self-worth, self-esteem. So yes. I was on that. And then I was, uh, that it was using hypnosis. All of a sudden, I was landed in the womb the memory of the womb. And uh, that was quite fascinating for me because, of course, I never ever thought about <laughs> my womb experience. Yeah. So that was the first time that I, it opened my eyes. There's something here. I suppose this kind of healing process is quite obvious for people who has given birth. But how about for people who will not have the chance to give birth, like the man, for example? Yes. I'm sure that everybody who has been born would, would be able to benefit from this type of healing. But I wonder if there are unique symptoms that people usually have to know, possibly this is my birth process. Or would you even go as far as actually every limiting belief that people carry usually stems from the, the time when the person is being conceived in the womb and then being, then the process of being born? I would say that our first few years from conception, I, they, they say right up to six years old, we're in a delta brainwave. So we are just like an open tape recorder. We're like a, um, a computer hard disk that's just being downloaded the programs. Yeah. So all our negative beliefs are formed at that time. Now, the interesting part that I find is that as a baby in, in, in utero, we will quite often take on the beliefs of our mother. Yes, that's true. I agree. I agree with that. So a lot of our negative beliefs don't even belong to us. Yes, yes. But as a baby in the womb, you're not able to separate yourself from mum. So what mum, all the thoughts, feelings, emotions that mum's going through, baby just takes that on herself. It's yes. not able to think that's mum's feeling scared right now. It's just like fear. Yeah, I'm just feeling fear yeah. or any other emotion, even down to the, the conception process, whether you're wanted or not. We're finding out earlier and earlier now whether we're actually wanted yeah. or whether we're finding out like six weeks that we're pregnant. Sometimes it's four weeks. And that shock of finding out you're pregnant, if it's not a planned pregnancy, you know, if it's not a static happy because I've been trying to conceive a baby. If it comes, if it's not a planned pregnancy, then um, that can be quite shocking and traumatic for mum. So mum can go through the process of thought process about what to do about this, how this is going to impact her life and what are her options. Now to the baby, if mum starts thinking along the lines of termination, adoption, all of that good stuff, then that's a life-threatening experience. Yeah, so baby perceives it at that. If dad's not very happy about it, then baby's going to register that too. 
So it can be something as early as that that makes you feel like you're not wanted, that you don't belong in the world, and you're very easily triggered by rejection. It also means you can't trust the world because the world's out to potentially kill you. Mm. It means that you're going to have difficulty forming relationships, really trusting people to form a relationship. There could even be some anger against women right yeah general which will be mother i mean i swear that most of our or most of the people in prison have had either either been felt rejected in the womb or they were rejected at birth in some way whether it was separation from mum at birth or, or trauma because when you're in a traumatic state you can't connect yeah yeah my belief is that those core beliefs that we have like i'm not safe used to be one of my core beliefs mm-hmm. yeah and it was also my mum's belief right as well and what we believe is to be true then our prover part of ourselves will go and prove that to be true now my own birth experience has kind of shown up in my life in a number of different ways but my mum told me when I was writing my book that I said to my mum you know tell me again about my my birth and she said oh well she said I went into labor Everything was progressing nicely. I got into the hospital. The midwife went, oh, she's coming a bit quickly. We're worried you're going to tear. Let's just pump you full of pethidine, which is a narcotic drug, and slow the labor down. Why is that? Just because that's what they did in the 1960s. You know, it's just this crazy belief that this this midwife had. Yes. Now, my mum is super, super, super sensitive to drugs, alcohol, anything like that. So even a little snippet of pethidine was enough to put her to sleep okay so if you can imagine me as a baby like I'm I'm coming into the world I'm ready to come I've because babies usually start the birth process so I've started the birth process I'm getting on with my birth and then all of a sudden everything starts to get woozy because of course I'm now being full of this crazy making narcotic drug All of a sudden, I'm totally on my own because mum's gone to sleep. So I'm having to fight my way out of the womb. So everything is slowed down. It's a struggle. It's really hard to get out. I come out and she said to me that, you know, because she was so tired, she got to hold me for about a minute and a half. And then I was put off down in the nursery for five hours. Yeah. So, yeah, no bonding time until I got back to her with her after that. And she did breastfeed me. Now, it's really fascinating because as a child growing up, I believe now that my mum had um, some form of ME, chronic fatigue type thing. And she used to sleep a lot. Right. And I used to get very angry with her for being asleep. Right. But I never understood why. Yes. And now it was like, ka-ching, I suddenly understood the reason why I was getting angry was because she was asleep and she wasn't there for me. She yeah. could have been making me making tea or reading me a story or doing something with me, but she wasn't, she was sleeping. Yes. So that was just re-triggering that. But what I found when I was writing my book is that I would allot a, you know, a two-hour window to sit down and write. And for the first 20 minutes, I'll be feverishly writing away. And then all of a sudden, of course, my negative thoughts start coming in. You're not good enough. Who are you to write a book? What if you get it wrong? What if nobody reads it? What if you get overwhelmed? Or like writing a book, you, when you're writing, you actually find out all your negative beliefs because they all come swamping in. Yeah. Now, my default setting apparently turned out to be going to sleep. So once I felt like I was being bombarded by my own negative thoughts, I would suddenly get overwhelmed with tiredness and have to go to sleep. How interesting. 
No, it wasn't until my mum told me about my birthday. It's like, oh, my God, that explains why that happens. As soon as I feel under pressure yeah. by my own thought process, but, but my default setting was to phase out. Right. So I have no problem starting projects at all, but getting me to finish them, yeah. it's you know, it feels like a struggle. Yeah. feels like I've got to fight myself in order to, 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 to finish a product. Like I had to fight myself to fight to get out of the womb. My God, it's almost like one-to-one experience in a, in a different setting. One is within the womb, the other one is outside. Yes. This is consistently until you change it then, I, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Once there was a number of things that I did. So I went back and um, I did my birth again without the pethidine. But also what I did is I went to my baby self, who yeah. was five hours in that, that nursery. Yeah. And as an observer, just looking at what was going on, there was lots of other babies in the the nursery as well, all crying or wanting their mother. And my baby self was going like, you know, can't get any sleep here because everybody else is crying. So my baby self was trying to get out of the cot to go and help all the other babies. And she actually made a little vow. And that's really interesting that she she tried to make a little vow that she was going to come and help them. No. Yes. So what do I do for a living? You're helping others. I help other people heal their experience of separation from mum at birth or their drugged birth experience. You made that decision within five hours after you arrived on this planet. That's amazing. Exactly. And just another little funny story, because it's not always negative, it can be positive too. So I was talking to a lady in Australia who was telling me how she was conceived in order to save her mum and dad's marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people do yeah, that. The woman thinks if I have a baby, he'll have to stay with me. Good. Yeah, exactly. So I said to her, did it work? And she said, yes, it worked. My mum and dad stayed together. And I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then she said, you never guess what I do for a living, what I've just started to do. And I said, what's that? And she said, I've just created an online dating agency, but I'm the person that matches people together. I match them perfect. Personally, I put them together. <laughs> this is like <laughs> this really got me thinking. I think we kind of know what we are here to do. From it can be we get can we can get the information from even the first less than a day after the birth, basically. Yeah, and a lot of people that are listening to this will have had children, and you know one of the stories in my book is about this three-year-old who mum said to him on his third birthday, "Do you remember your birth?" Because, of course, it's like birthdays. Why do we celebrate birthdays? It's because there's been a birth. What is a birth? So she says to him, do you remember your birth? And he said, yes, mummy, I do. And he told her the story of his birth in his own language as, as, as well as he could in a three-year-old's language. Now, her birth experience in adult language was that he was back-to-back. So, And that is one of the most painful ways to actually give birth is when the baby's spine is up against the mother's spine. Yes. And she described the pain as being back-breaking and she was begging the doctors to give her something, some pain relief. So the doctors ended up giving her an epidural. Right. Now, unfortunately, the epidural, they gave her too much. Oh. And she wasn't just numb from the waist downwards. It actually affected her. And I've worked with a number of people this has happened to now that are numb from the neck downwards. In fact, she couldn't speak. Her mouth was numb too. But she, all she could do was, like, move her eyes. Yeah. 
all right so for her that was really frightening because um at any moment she felt like she could stop breathing yeah yeah because she was so worried because everything was numb and relaxing she didn't know whether she was going to carry on breathing or not and her baby was born c-section and she couldn't hold him all she could do was look at him with her eyes yeah oh my god so now from his point of view this is what he said his birth was like and she's never discussed his birth with him he said mummy he said I was trying to get out he said and I couldn't get out because it was too tight and she said he started making this head movement like he was trying to force his head downwards and he couldn't get out he said so mummy what I did is I went and got a stepladder he said and I climbed up towards the light he said and then I was out yeah and then I was no longer breaking your back he did say breaking the back yeah and she had described the pain as to the doctors as yeah. this is going to feels like my back is going to break i yeah. need help yeah. so he heard that he knew that yeah and the other thing he said and mum said i didn't know whether you loved me or not he said because you didn't hug me you didn't hold me because she couldn't move so she just said to him i'm really sorry mummy had been given too much medication mummy really wanted to hug you and mummy was hugging you with with her eyes yeah but i can hug you now and come here and she gave him a massive big hug yeah. now that was a 3 year old being able to talk about his limiting belief or his negative belief is that mummy does i'm not sure mummy loves me yeah yeah because she didn't hug him yeah. and that he was causing her pain that's also a burden that he carries it's also a burden he carried so the fact that they were able to have that conversation kind of lifted that burden and he got the understanding of why mummy couldn't hold yeah. him yeah. you know because we don't understand these things or why yeah. we just know that this is how it is yeah. so once we have the understanding then that helps to to clear the belief and that's part of the work that we do but then of course it retriggered her or that birth experience so she's now contacting me going I need to book a session he may be okay about it now but I'm not so we ended up doing a a couple of sessions on healing that experience so david chamberlain has written a fabulous book called the mind of your newborn baby mm. and he was a hypnotist like yourself and he regressed people back to the womb and they would recount their birth stories just a fascinating book just how how do- joseph chilton pierce and david chamberlain were two of the four runners if you like that really helped people who were interested in hearing just how conscious babies are and there is a there is a memory up to a certain age and then we tend to forget so 3 4 year old i think by the time you start getting into 4 years old you're not going to be able to remember yeah. but obviously 2 year olds too young to be able to articulate actually what happens yeah so there's you got a small window of opportunity to talk to your children about it yes it's probably a year at the most yeah between 2 and 3 But I actually met a guy the other day who does consciously remember his birth so there is a few people out there who do as a dog um, as an adult yes yeah I had my my friend who's also mentioned in the book you know she remembers at 3 months old in utero when her her twin brother died mm-hmm. and he left her and the conversation that they had before he left this is the most emo- amazing thing cuz I didn't know there was a twin with me that didn't make it my no my my parents didn't know my mom didn't know either because i think he left really quickly and yes. in the room but i did have the habit of like befriending men like a big brother since i was a child like i would go and follow around one of the son of my neighbor to the school because i have this feeling like 
I'm looking for my brother in a way. And it's only in 2010 that I realized that, oh, from the subconscious memory, oh my God, I was actually looking for this brother, my brother who didn't even come here. This is also the memory from the womb again. And, uh, and I, I was vacuumed out in my, in my birth. And I only understood it last year. This is why I was never a big fan of doctors of any sort. Because I felt, and I remember going through my own healing process, that I was angry at my mother for not even speaking to me. Because I was like, hello, I'm down here. Why is nobody speaking to me? And I was really upset at the doctor because I feel like my perception, I don't know if that's the reality from his side, but my perception was he's just concerned about getting me according to the schedule. And, uh, I, but nobody had acknowledging that I'm here. Yeah. And for making an effort to... to make me believe that we are a team. It's not just you pushing from the outside and I'm being forced to be pulled out and everything else. But what I find to be consistent in my life is I find it very important to always ask people or inform people <laughs> before doing something or else I will get super upset about it. And the person that throughout my life keep on pushing on my button for deciding or offering my help on my behalf, it was my mother, of course. <laughs> so she continues to triggering this point. She was the only one who can get me like, ah! <laughs> and and uh, when I released that, it felt so much calmer. The relationship is really calm. Yes. But, uh, yeah. you, it impacted everything. I know. It does. My relationship with my mum changed after I explained to my baby self in the nursery that she was there not because mum didn't love her, but it's yeah. because mum was so super sensitive to the drugs. Yes. And my mother being my mother, if the doctor or the midwife tells you, you, you the best thing to do is to have this narcotic drug, then my mum's going to go, yes, bring it on. You know, she's not going to say, no, you're not putting that drug into my body. Thank you very much. You know, she's a good girl. She does as she's told. If someone yes. in authority tells her to do something, she's going to do it. Yes, exactly. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. Yes. So once my baby self understood that, then she was able to forgive my mum, which then meant that I had a much better relationship with my mum for the last couple of years of, of her life. I was less triggered by her and we were able to be closer. And I no longer had that resentment energy that was between us and I didn't even know that why it was there yes exactly exactly that's it it's like I didn't realize all these things and and through my birth another information came up I felt like I was a burden I was the first child my parents conceived me when my dad was doing his PhD in Birmingham mm. and uh, so my mother was having a time of her life enjoying the UK working and all this learning English and stuff. And then she found out she's pregnant. They're very happy, but she was also thinking, and I feel it in, when I was in the memory, my life is over. My, wow. Yeah, my life is over from the perspective, I'm not going to be free anymore. I'm going to, it's from the freedom perspective, she felt it was over. And then she also felt, oh my God, I need to give birth without the support of my family because it was just my mom and my dad. And this was her first child. So I took it in and I, I made it the meaning that I'm a burden for my yes. parents, especially for my mom, not my parents. Actually, it was just my mom. So this is also one of the reasons why I have to achieve so much more because I needed to make myself feel like I'm not a burden 
Yeah, and being added on with other beliefs in the system. But this was the first belief that I was a burden. Therefore, I need to show up in a way that I won't be a burden. In fact, I'm going to help everybody. <laughs> Overcompensate this whole thing. And then it led to burnout. I had a burnout at the end of 2008, Sharon. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, looking back, I had something a little bit similar because I was trying to fix and heal everybody. And again, that was my baby self in the nursery who was trying to fix and heal all the babies that were crying for their mother. And actually, when you really look at it, the reason why she wanted the babies to stop crying is because it was making her feel unsafe. But she was trying to help them. So I ended up burning out because I was like desperately trying to fix everybody else. So to go back and to be able to heal yourself and know that you don't have to heal everybody else around you, you can be okay even when people around you are not okay, then I was able then to be able to, to start doing a lot more self-care. So burnout is usually when we're, we, are, we can't say no, yes. we've got this, you know, this feeling that we have to save the world and nobody else can do it as well as yes. we do. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And because I believed it so much, I often end up in that situation where I'm often the most calm person in that particular crisis. So it's really interesting because what I believe attracted events to confirm that you're right, you're right. You are the only one who could do it. And this is really, a, it's like a, like a running in the hamster wheel and then all of a sudden I'm too tired to, to run anymore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, you know, I have to be good in order to be loved. You know, that means that, you know, people in authority, you do always do as you're told. You know, there's the people pleasers who, you know, are fearful of the consequences if they're not good. Yeah. So you'll have, find adopted children will quite often be super, super, super good because they're trying to fit in with, with a family so they don't get rejected again. And they will dampen down who they really are because in the fear of that, they're going to be given away again. And there was obviously something wrong with them in the first place because they were given away. So they're flawed. So they have to do everything in order to be super good. And they have to be friends with everybody and they can't upset anybody just in case. Whereas the quote complete opposite can be true as well. Is just like, I'm so angry that I was given away and just feeling rejected and I can't connect with anybody and they're going to be your child from hell. That's going to like, I know you're going to give me away. You know, I'm going to keep pushing you, pushing you and pushing you until you give me away again. So our perceptions of the world and and what we do about it is, is quite unique to us. So two people can go through the same experience and we'll we'll have different experiences so if a mum takes a lot of drugs or she's mentally unstable the 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 foundation of that child's going to be very different to a child who was very much loved but let's just say mum dies and then they're adopted so those two adopted children are going to be very different because they've come from different backgrounds and different circumstances yes. but they still could, could potentially have similar things yeah. belief systems going on This is also interesting, right? Because it's never it's just your mother's beliefs. It could be ancestral beliefs. Because Oh, yes, we can get into the ancestral realms as well, especially your mother's mother yeah, and also your father's mother too. So the egg that created you was developed inside your mother when she was a baby in the womb. Okay, yeah. So whatever your grandmother was going through when she was pregnant with your mother 
that is going to have an influence on the development of the egg inside your mum because we are actually born with our life supply of eggs. Yeah. My mother was born during the war time. Right. Okay. So not a particularly safe time to be to be born and to be pregnant for your grandmother. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there's quite often a very strong link there. But the same can be said for the father, although it's slightly different for the father. So the genetic makeup of the sperm, if you like, the blueprint of the sperm, again, is developed within your the father as a baby in the womb. Yeah. But what's what's fascinating is that the three months, it takes about a three month cycle for, for sperm to be completely developed. OK. And depending on the experience, the, the sperm has to travel down different canals or from production um, down the tube. Yeah. And as it's coming down the tube, depending on what's going on in the father's life, it's like they get add-ons. You know, right. like the, kid, the kid's Lego thing where you can yes. add stick bits on at the last minute. Yeah. Well, that's what happens with the sperm. The sperm gets things stuck on. So it's very important that if you're a father and you're, you're, you're trying to conceive – that for that, you know, for the three month period that you're emotionally feeling good, you're physically feeling good, you're getting the right everything, because that those little add ons are the ones that are quite important as well. So yeah, the generational stuff, past life stuff, I'm often amazed that we actually, you know, most of us ever make it to survive. But, um, you know, and then we have our childhood traumas, if you want to add add those on, on top of that as well. It's but, safe to say that human is very resilient. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, how the birth is important. So if you're uh, an elective C-section baby, you're going to have a different thought process or a different belief system to if you are um, an emergency C-section because you've gone through to- two di- totally different situations. Mm-hmm. The elective C-section baby doesn't get to start their birth process. Mm-hmm. In fact, one minute's in the womb, the next minute's out. Yeah. So that baby has to learn how to assimilate information very quickly. Right. Yes. Yeah. The elect of the emergency C-section has actually probably started the birth canal journey and got stuck. Yeah. So there's that I'm trapped. I can't move forward. I can't move back. Yeah. So there's that belief. I can't move forward. I can't move back. So they just freeze. And those people don't really get anything done in life until somebody comes to rescue them. You Do you also see the symptoms of the this? these babies they often check out yes okay so for example i have encountered a couple of people who i can see from the eye sometimes they check out when you are mm-hmm. speaking to them and then they're coming back mm-hmm. after some times that's trauma related so that could be drug birth that could be um trapped in the womb because you know whenever we have a trauma then quite often we will just check out and yeah. we'll disassociate from what's yeah. going on so it could be a number of different things going on there forceps of the delivery babies you know that's a very painful experience and again you're needing somebody else to pull you out of a situation yes i also had the belief i can't do this by myself can't do this by yourself exactly because you had to be pulled out by the suction cap so yes. Yeah, and do that by myself, which is in a way is like contradictory because I do so much, but this, but also it's almost like my container of energy. There's a leakage in it because you know you you do so much, and then you have this other contradictory belief that says but yeah. you cannot do this way, and you never settle, and it's very like a war inside all the time. Exactly. Now my belief is I have to do this on my own, and there's no support. There's nobody there for me. Okay. 
because I did have to get myself out. I wasn't suctioned out. I wasn't pulled out by forceps. I got myself out, but mum wasn't there for me. She was asleep. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, I feel unsupported in life because mum wasn't there for me. Right. Have you worked a lot with procrastinators, Sharon? Um, procrastination is usually a fear. There's usually fear around what it is that you're doing. That can come in a bit of caused by a number of different things, but of course it can be caused by your birth experience because you know when you're procrastinating, you're waiting for somebody to come along and offer you a solution. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, or somebody to take over the job for you, or somebody to come and give you a hand. And again, that that can be very much linked to to your birth experience. So, it's, it's, it sounded to me like it's just obvious that. It can be, you know, and we can make anything out of anything. But all I know is, is that when you go back and you work around these times and you, you, you heal the belief system, then your life changes. And yeah. as far as I'm concerned, that's what's really important. Yeah. And I think what's so exciting is the fact that, you know, when we do this work, when I work with a mother on the birth of their child and there's a physical condition, quite often that physical condition will change. Yeah. Whether that's eczema, asthma, the little boy who had the pain in the neck. Um, there's another story in my book about a little boy who was up having epileptic fits two to yeah. three times a day. And, you know, we did three sessions and then he went to having a fit every three months. Yeah. So when you start working in a quantum way, if you like, without getting too scientific with people, when you start working in a quantum way, then a lot of different things can change. <laughs> about the dads i was observing my brother-in-law in the delivery room because i had the really great opportunity to be part of my nephew's birth process and uh, and it lo and behold everybody was uh, a woman there the nurse the doctors every so it felt to me it was much the, the ladies are much more in tune with what happened and I observed my brother-in-law observing the whole thing, like really quietly observing. He was there for my sister most of the time, if not all of the time. What is your experience with the fathers? Some fathers deal with it better than others. Yeah. So if you want to look at it in the terms of masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. So it's the one time that the wife or the partner, the woman giving birth, she's the one in the doing she's the one that's actually doing giving birth yes and you want your husband partner to be holding space you want him to almost take a more feminine role in the fact that he's just there observing okay. and holding the space but also protecting her and keeping her safe but if he starts screaming and shouting and being a bullshit man because he's getting frustrated because something he's perceived something going wrong and he can't fix it, yes. then that's when men in their heads start having trouble because men are very much doers. They like to find a solution for things. And if things are not going the way that they perceive that things should be, then they start getting quite agitated or can get agitated because they want to something to be done, something to be fixed. And that's why having a male doctor is not as good as having a female doctor because a female doctor is more likely to step back, hold the space, and is not so quick to rush in. Yeah. Whereas a male doctor will rush in yeah. because, like, right, there's a problem here, let's get the baby out. Yeah. yeah. So having a room full of women is more ideal than having a room full of men when you're giving birth <laughs> because women, can, women know how to hold space <laughs> for other women. Yes, yes. 
And it sounds like just what you were saying about your brother-in-law is that he actually did quite a good job of uh, holding. Yes, yes. I I am impressed with how calm he was. The two of us get excited with the, the back of the head show up and stuff like this. Exactly. But I also then thinking, what if it's not so calm like this? The dad that was not as grounded, let's say, yeah. as, as my brother-in-law was, probably also create some limiting beliefs in him just being part of the birth, would you say? Exactly. And But fathers can be traumatized by seeing yeah. their partner go through this birth experience. Yes. If they've had a lot of trauma in their life as well, it can, it can lead to PTSD. Yeah. So the more trauma we've experienced in childhood, the more likely we are to have PTSD. Yeah. So one of the, the, the last chapter of my book is about men. And one of the most beautiful sessions I had was with a guy. I worked with his wife as well as him. And Leanne, on her first birth experience with her daughter, but she ended up having to have a C-section. The epidural didn't work and they cut her open anyway. So she felt everything. And he as the father witnessed it. Wow. Right. Now, the last thing she remembers hearing is the anaesthetist, her baby crying, so they got her baby out. But then she hears the anaesthetist saying, I have to put her under because she's going into cardiac arrest. So he very beautifully explained the complete joy and relief of of the baby being okay and the complete terror that he was going to lose his wife. You know, those two conflicting emotions just coming in at the same time. This helplessness of not being able to do anything about the situation other than to to take his baby as soon as he could get hold of her and, and hold her. And he got the first four hours bonding with her because Leanne was under anaesthetic and it took her a while to come round and then first to, to sort her out and everything. So they were both terrified when she was pregnant again. But by working and clearing that trauma that they both had, she then went on to have a very beautiful, very natural second birth. Yeah. So amazing things can be done, but it absolutely affects the father. Um, It can trigger him into his own birth experience. It can trigger him into his childhood traumas. Of course, men are the, the providers as well. So during the pregnancy, men are going to go through, am I going to be able to work? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? All of their limiting beliefs will come up. Am I going to be good enough father? Just, it's, it's a bloody minefield, basically. <laughs> or it can be, if you've not done your personal work and you don't understand your thought process and what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why I love to support mum and dad through what's happening. Um, but I also recommend that they have a doula because like you, you know, you can reassure him, yes, this is natural. Or the other women can say, yeah, this is totally natural. This is fine. You know, but fathers do not go out and educate themselves on how birth is going to be. And yeah. neither, neither not often do the women either. So I always say to women, go and educate yourself on what it takes to have a natural birth process. Clear your trauma, clear your own birth experience any births that you've had before, fears around giving birth, do the work beforehand, do your pregnancy yoga, get yourself a doula, maybe do hypnobirthing, whatever you want to do, but prepare for this birth. Yeah. Don't just go through pregnancy, walk into the hospital, hand your power over to the doctors and expect everything to go well, okay. because quite often it doesn't. The yeah. more knowledgeable you are, the more you know, and the more support you feel, supported you feel, whether that's from your partner or your doula or your midwife or whoever, the more successful that birth is going to be. Yeah. After reading your book, Sharon, actually that was not long before my nephew was was uh, was born. I realized how important it was for me to really heal my birth process before yes. coming into the labor room with them. 
Yes. And funny enough, my body was giving signals. I mean, it creates hives and hives for weeks and weeks until I finally get it. Ah, this is related to my own birth process <laughs> because I was, I didn't like being in the hospital. I didn't like being surrounded by all these doctors. And I asked my sister, why would, what would you like me to be for you in the birth room? And she said, just to help and keep me calm. Of course, I would not be able to do that if I get triggered all the time. So I did, literally, I did the healing probably about only two weeks before the birth. But I was the calmest person in the possible. It was amazing. So I have you to thank for this. You know what? And if I, if in a, in a visionary ideal world, every single person that attends a birth will have cleared their own birth trauma. Yeah. And midwives attending birth or, or um, doctors, nurses, whatever country you're in, then they also need to have cleared their birth traumas, but also the previous birth. You know, I, I taught a group of independent midwives how to do the EFT matrix imprinting, matrix birth imprinting. And I just said to them, the important thing is here now that you support each other. Yeah. Because women see things in the birthing room. Birth doesn't always go to plan. These things happen. This is the, the cycle of life, unfortunately. And you carry that trauma into the next yeah, midwives or the people attending the birth are quite often the linchpin as well on, on how safe that mother feels or how unsafe that mother feels. And if people are carrying their traumas of being triggered mm. by people in authority and stuff like that, when we're under immense pressure like that, that's when our negative beliefs mm. come up the worst Yeah, as well. So having a birth professional that understands that, we all doing the, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, I'm not good enough. If you're running all of that, then what you need is somebody to go, you're absolutely doing beautifully. You absolutely can do this. You're a warrior woman. You can absolutely do this. Yeah, yeah. So you want somebody to help you with, feeling the opposite way to how you're feeling we have some tips on how we can show up more present more grounded and love focused in our lives what i would say is start to notice your patterns in life yeah. In my book, Kill Your Birth, Heal Your Life, there is a list of negative beliefs. You know, go through them, score yourself, find out what your negative beliefs are. Mm -hmm. The more consciously aware you can be of what's running in your subconscious, the more chance you have of changing it. Doing practices such as meditation, such as yoga, such as any form of physical sport or singing or toning or you're regularly going to have a massage, a lot of self-care because we are living in a world right now where everything is coming at us so fast. You know, when I think back when I was a child, there was no mobile phones, there was no internet. If we wanted entertainment, we'd either sit in front of the television or we'd go out and make our entertainment in the garden. Kids are not doing that now. They're getting completely addicted to their computer games or their phone or social media. And, and we as adults are being kind of drawn up into that as well. So get yourself out in nature do whatever you can to actually give yourself some time some space to slow down but also do your own personal work so find yourself a really good therapist who's going to help you change some of those negative beliefs as well your head may be spinning right now after listening to these conversations but this is exactly why i decided to release this episode it's supposed to bring new awareness into your mind 
so that you know and you can do something deep if you want your life to be different, if you want to show up differently in your life. You can read Sharon's book. It's called Heal Your Birth, Heal Your Life, and it is easily found in Amazon and some of the bookstores around the world. And if you're ready to go through the healing process, reach out to me. Reach out to me as I am here for you to facilitate that. You can reach me through astuti at upliftmylife.today. And remember, share this episode to as many people as you can that will find the information useful. I wish to see a lot more people taking charge more of their lives and to thrive in their lives being who they are. So stay inspired, keep taking actions, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.